please be advised. Spoiler alert episode. Spoiler. Please be advised. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, you know what we're doing, guys? We're doing a spoiler up with uh, Cold Pursuit. Oh, spoiler up ninety one. Pretty exciting, and we have a guess halfway we... to one hundred and eighty two spoiler ups. We have a guest we haven't had on in a while too. <laughs> <laughs> that is a milestone, sir. <laughs> uh, Mike Schmidt, welcome hey. to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so. Let's talk about what just happened before we Let's started recording. Let's do it, yeah, because uh, I, I still feel like it didn't really happen, Like, but you, now I have two witnesses, so you guys can back me up, it really did happen. Yeah. Well, three, but Aaron doesn't count. <laughs> um, and thank you for not counting him. And I Hudson, really appre- the, and uh, Hudson, the dog. Hudson, the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's no good in a court of law. No, no. Uh, so we're at the All Things Comedy World headquarters. One mm-hmm. of the things, I have a backup, one of the reasons we wanted to start recording at ATC when they opened up the other facility. And one of the things we like is there's always comics coming through the door, hanging through Mm -hmm. the door. Um, And uh, today was no different. No. And we're sitting there eating between shows because we just recorded the regular episode with Jake Hogan. Mm -hmm. Mike's here. I'm having a little break. We're talking, blah, blah, blah. And then, hey, you guys know that John Cleese is here? He's outside (laughs) and he's in the other room. And we're just like, wait, what? really the uh, john cleese john cleese we're one wall away from greatness yeah and he walks by and we're like, oh shit that's john cleese yeah and then i was talking i got a conversation with somebody i don't remember and then all of a sudden i come in here and everyone like his daughter camilla or camille or whatever what's her name camilla she's a stand-up comic in mm-hmm. la and some other people from atc are showing them around because i guess they're going to do a show or something don't know they're trying to pitch him on a show and Sitting in where we're recording right now is John Cleese, and you yeah. guys are in a conversation with him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking to him, because then everyone else left to the conference room, but he stayed and talked to us for yeah. a little yeah. bit longer. Yeah. He remained in his mm-hmm. seat. He was petting a dog. Aaron's mm-hmm. dog is here, Hudson, mm-hmm. and and John Cleese was in a chair, and I made him laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will never forget it. That was fucking fantastic. He's talking to Chris. Chris is telling him about when Chris saw him in Thousand Oaks. Yeah, yeah. Him and uh, Eric Idle did a show. Just it was an evening with John Cleese and Eric Idle. It was fantastic. They showed old clips. They did. They recreated sketches, and then they just talked about stories from uh, you know working with the BBC many years ago, and it was fantastic. Monty Python. You know, there's a handful of like movies or comedy groups or people that shaped my comedy as for sure true for all of us for sure they are at monty python yep. yeah, i me mean too. life of brian mm-hmm. uh holy grail holy grail yeah. are those movies like I, they're blues brothers like there's a handful of movies that just completely shaped who i am i think mm-hmm. as a comedian or heavily influenced it yeah and, and holy shit he was just sitting there that was fantastic yeah. yeah i was i always could say i was lucky my mom had a sense of humor because when I was a kid, my mom would watch Flying Circus. We, we would have it on. It was on Sunday yeah. nights. On, you were in Chicago. It was on Channel 11, Sunday mm-hmm. nights, uh, along with Dave Allen at large. You know, and, and then the Kenny Everett show. My mom loved, for some reason, she liked British comedy because she got high all the time and she'd watch it. And, <laughs> and fucking, So I grew up with, this, with Flying Circus and I loved it. And then Grail is ridiculous. It's, it's all. Um, and then Fish Called Wanda. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, one of the funniest movies of all time. Yeah. I just shook that dude's hand. Mm-hmm. God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I that mean, was, great. was great. That was really mm-hmm. great. That's that's a milestone. It's the thing dude. I love about being a comedian and living in Los Angeles. Aren't you glad that wasn't the day that you skyped in? That's uh, coming up. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is. <laughs> actually skyping in. Well, I, I've never <laughs> done it road. before. I'm on the road. I'm going to uh, uh, Bert, who books all the zanies in Chicago. Usually gives me a couple of weekends a year, but he just goes, "Hey, do you want to come in and do ten nights?" Three nights in St. Charles, three nights in downtown, and, and four nights in oh, okay. Rosemont. And I was like, yeah. One yeah, plane ticket? No, no thanks. No, no. What is that? A lot of work? No, thank you. Um, so I was like, you got it. So uh, it's the Tuesday. We usually would pre-record an episode if I'm going to be out of town like that. But it's the Tuesday after the Oscars. So we have to like sure. talk about it. So we're like, let's Skype in. We've never done that before. Let's try it. We like technology. And mm-hmm. the internet. Are you are you practicing it? I, I know that's a weird question, but like, because I I've found because I've done that the the podcast via remote, and um, 
you know, just trading is different. You know what I mean? Going back and forth or, or yeah, there's always that beat where you have to wait for somebody to finish. We've only done it a couple times with guests. Yeah. Um, this will actually be the first time one of us is, is I Skyping. See. So well, we'll see how it goes. They do it now. Aaron mm. does it a lot here. They, there's a lot of shows. Like Aaron, how many shows roughly do you have Skype guests in a week? So you te- technologically, you guys are fine on this end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever internet oh, I, I have on my side. <laughs> this is a building dedicated to it. I, I certainly didn't think technologically it'd be a problem. It's just more of the flow of the show. Yep. But even you guys have been doing the show for fucking ever. And, and so you can finish your other sentences at this point. So I'm sure that won't be a problem. If, it, if it's a guess, it's always a weird kind of a coin flip. I find. And every well, once yeah. in a while, if it's a shitty connection, like uh, like I remember once we had a guest who was trying to do video and it, would, it slowed it down. I'm like, no, just switch to audio. and Because uh, <laughs> there's a sometimes a bit of a delay or dropouts. So you just got to uh, deal with everyone. So it's going to be a little weird. Mm-hmm. We're going to try it. I mean, Murray Valeriano is going to be our guest because his wife mm-hmm. is nominated. So he'll be there at the Oscars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was on the show two years ago when she was nominated. He was at the BAFTAs over the weekend. Yeah. Dude was, yeah and he's, mm-hmm. someone, he was on the BBC network. Someone took a photo of him in the audience and posted it. I was like, God damn, dude. Yeah, he uh, did a set in London. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's his second time going to the mm-hmm. BAFTAs, and it may be third time to the BAFTAs, but like, so yeah, we'll 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 give that a shot, uh, a shot, a shout out, a shy shot, a spike shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Speaking Whoa. of shot, let's talk about Cold Pursuit. Oh, boy. So um, now, I before we, we're going to- Oh, quick, real quick. We're gonna, it's a spoiler app. We're going to be talking about everything, including the ending. The awful, ridiculous, dumb ending. Yeah. Uh, and key elements in the movie, like how the script fell apart, <laughs> all the scenes that didn't make sense, and the comedy yes. that was sh- uh, shoehorned uh, in. Because there were definitely a couple times where we went, all right, even if I'm suspending disbelief, I don't see how that just happened. <laughs> Oh, man. As I said on the regular episode, I gave this movie a wide berth. I was yeah, not yeah. expecting. I wasn't like, this should, is this a best picture? No. No, no. It's We said, it's it's taken on a mountain. Yes. Snow mountain taken. Yeah. It's, it's another trip down the Liam Neeson revenge buffet. Yeah. Right. And with <laughs> yes. with a comedic bent. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, a comedy taken. All right. A caken. Got it. <laughs> so yeah we're going to reveal key elements include so if you haven't seen the movie i w- normally i would say pause watch it and come back but if you haven't Don't bother just listen yeah. to this episode mm-hmm. and it'll save you some money in time mm-hmm. wow so, so yeah. uh you know yes i will say you this stomping a mud hole in this goddamn no, movie i think i enjoyed this movie a little bit more i didn't love it but i did uh enjoy it a little bit more and the reason is is because i saw polar before it and that was such a horrible piece of shit <laughs> that um you know, so, this was almost like you know what? If in this the bad is, ice revenge genre, yes, yeah, this movie, <laughs> yeah, this movie was like, all right, well, hey, it was better than Polar. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I felt like uh, you know, it. it, it I want to know how many people are comparing things to Polar. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. From now on, any horrible movie I'm going to compare to Polar from now on. It's uh, that bad. It's it's unbelievably bad. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Holy yeah, Christ! Yeah. All right. Um, and here's, like I said, saying something. This is one of the worst Netflix movies I've ever seen. Oof. Um, so, but we were talking about this in the earlier episode. It's very rare that uh, the director, Hans Peter Moland, he directed the original In Order of Disappearance in 2014, and then he, he directed the remake, too. Which I think there's the problem. I think so, too, because there's no reinterpretation of the material. No, he's just kind of like making, all right, well, I'm just making the same movie again, but with uh, in English. And he's probably just like, all right, I'll just do whatever ridiculous shit Hollywood wants me to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is what happened. I, I, And the original, I just saw it. It's on Netflix. I'm going to watch it. Right. And I will talk about it. Mm-hmm. But not on this show. That's probably better. <laughs> Some other yeah. show. You'll call yeah. me. We will talk yeah. about that. <laughs> all right. I'll discuss that in prime. Yeah. At some time in the future, I'm not going to say when, but I will discuss it. <laughs> I will discuss it. So, all right, let's go, Mike. Your thoughts. You're a, you're a. I remember you wrote. Uh, well, you were writing columns for our site. You wrote about Taken, and you wrote it was like Bushmills. It was like a glass of Bushmills or something. You wrote. Yeah, I. Um... So you're a fan of the of the Liam Neeson. Well, I, now I, this is pre. I want to go murder black people. <laughs> thing that he said. Right? I, I let's not. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. Um, I take because Taken was you know that's your that's patient zero of the of all of these for him. Sure. Yes, but but by now. When, when he smiles and you see his teeth are false, you know what I mean? You're just like, all right, old man, there's no way you're ripping ass in the snow. You're just not. I, mm-hmm. I don't. And and I will say to this movie's credit, 
it doesn't make him this unbeatable badass that he was in these other movies where he was always that thing where when he showed up, that's your ass. You know what I mean? Right. right. Um, in this- and they didn't do that thing in, I, I, of like, well, what's an old ex yeah. airborne ranger doing up mm-hmm. on a mountain? Yeah. Like, so, oh, he's got, he, there was no special set yeah. of skills. He's no. just yeah. a tow truck plow guy. Yeah, he's, that, he's trying to get away. It's, uh, you know, he's trying to disappear. That's he what, was leaving that life behind. It's <laughs> so, it was wide open for that. It's yeah, like, why yeah. are you up here in the middle of nowhere? Well, I, you know, he's just a cook. You know what I mean? All that yeah. bullshit. <laughs> <and under siege. laughs> so it, it was wide open for that interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy they didn't do it. You right. know, it's just, mm-hmm. he was a guy who, was befallen by a terrible circumstance and right. went. I, all right, well, I, I mean, I have no choice. But there, there has to, to be, do these things. There has to be some kind of journey. It doesn't have to be a long one, but there has to be something to go from grieving father to cold blooded killer more within a second. <laughs> like it seemed I like didn't have a, a problem with that. I so, agree with Graham. It's so the second I, half of the movie that. It, but I, I think like, I could I murder somebody if they killed my son. I didn't want much. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I would. Like, I would like instantly. I like would think to myself, that guy's done. Here's yeah. the thing. Like, uh, like I like the fact that like he was bad at it at first. Like, uh, like you know, he's strangling the guy, and then like he he, yes. he gets back up. Like that, I liked. But I felt like you know there there was never this like uh, okay grieving father to um, murder. Like I didn't I didn't feel like. Uh, like I feel like they could have made that transition, but I think that like I got nothing from from. There I don't. There. I don't think you're wrong because what I think, mm-hmm. I think everything was so fucking even as glacially paced as it is in the fucking snow. Mm-hmm. It's too fast. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. His kid dies. We're going from scene to scene to scene. Let, to let me scene. just give yeah. just and tell, that, tell the audience real quick. So, he's they establish. Um, uh, Laura Dern's his wife. They live a up. loving wife who lives with him and is very close and intimate. Mm-hmm. Right. They have a nice loving relationship. Um, looks like he's got a good relationship with his son. Um, he's kind of a laconic, you know, stoic, stoic dude. Yeah. And you see man, a few words, man, a few words, probably what his wife likes about him, Yeah. but also knows that sometimes he's hard to open up. Right. He gives, he gets a citizen of the, of the man of the year, the citizen of the year for Kehoe, uh, for Kehoe, Colorado, this little ski town gives this speech that's very sort of uh thanks like that i don't know mm-hmm. yeah i guess you know <laughs> but then but then a very poignant anecdote yeah. at the end of it out of yeah. a guy you were like well i don't expect poignancy out of this guy i expect him to fumble on it and go eat the fucking chicken mm-hmm. but then he says something that's very elucidating and yeah. and if you're in the audience you're going i didn't expect that out of fucking snowplow jones i mean not at all <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> 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 to have that kind of insight on life uh which was great you know and and so it was setting up in a way where you're going, okay, I mean, this is, this, we're learning, that's part of our journey where we're learning about him. Right, you know what I mean? right. And so go ahead. I didn't mean to step on it, but. Well, that's a good point. You bring up a good point. And then we just see his son, who's like in his young, early twenties. Um, and they established that the kid has a good relationship with his parents. Yep. He's not just like, whatever, mom. You know, he's not, <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not like, have you talked to J- Jason? No. Like. He's a I good, think he's on drugs. You know, none of that. <laughs> the kid just gets snatched up. You see bad guys, mm-hmm. inject him full of something. On the same night we see him, we see him come in. His wife, his, uh, Laura Dern offers him, hey, you want a plate of stew? See if we can eat the rest of that venison. And nah, I'm good, ma. I got to go to work. All right, can I take your car? Absolutely. I mean, it's all a, a loving interchange between a yeah. family. Yeah. He goes to work. And he gets snatched up. He works at, at the little airport. He's a baggage handler at a little airport, so there's private jets coming in and small little... Basically, his other baggage handler friend gets him in trouble, gets him involved in some... So we see the kid get snatched up and drugged, and then they say he died of a heroin overdose. So you're just like thrown into this, which that I liked. Right. Because it's like, okay, you're going to... Now here we go. Right. Right. While the dad is uncovering what happened, we're going to... Is the kid... Was the kid Mm -hmm. messed up? Was he a drug? What what happened? Was he wrong circumstance? We're going to uncover all that. Let's unpack this mystery. Oh wait, we don't. Yeah, I mean they kind of do. And I at that point I was like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm yeah. in. Yes. Mm-hmm. And 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 the 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 dad says, you know, and he says this thing and they're in the they're in the morgue. So there's the mortician or the whatever, the morgue guy. Corner. Corner. There you go. And the detective. And he's like, our son wouldn't do this. And, the, and the, Jason wasn't a druggie. Wasn't a druggie. Mm-hmm. And and the corner guys, I hate. I'm sorry, but every parent says this. And then Liam Neeson says, Jason wasn't a druggie. Yeah, right. says it again, which is great because a corner would say that because that's what everyone. Right, that's what I didn't. I because parents had no idea. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern's mad at him for not knowing more about her son. That felt organic to me when she's yeah, like, yeah. I was on his Facebook page. Well, 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 first wait, they go out to the car. Yeah. And she says, we didn't even know our own son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, 
Jason wasn't a druggie. It's all he can get out. It's all mm-hmm. he can get out mm-hmm. from the morgue to the to the fucking car. And then she punches him. Mm-hmm. She right. just starts hitting him because he won't face reality. She, she feels like she's facing reality and he's gone. I mean, he's just, right. Jason wasn't a druggie. He can't, he's not grasped the situation. And that was yet. fine. That Which was are both, real, yeah. both realistic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Either one of those responses, you go, those are human responses. Yeah. But also you, you, and part of you goes, well, and then they talk about they went on hunting trips. And what a great thing. I was just thinking as somebody that's um, had seen people, <laughs> how do I put this? Had someone close to them behavior completely changed because they started doing drugs. <laughs> um, the thing that the, what he's, why he, I'm like, I kind of believe him because he's like, if I, if you have, let me just say this. If you have a son, a, a son, a, a somebody close to you that is a heroin addict, you're going to see fucking signs, man, leading up to that. It's yeah. going to, it's going to, that you don't just, you can't yeah. hide being a heroin Yeah, I mean, user. you'll have Julie Roberts trying to save you, you know, things like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the kid, the kid. Shit missing around your house. Shit yeah. missing around yeah. your yeah. house. The kids fight, like. There are disa- some signs. Disappearing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Track marks. Like. Mm-hmm. He likes jazz. You know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Coltrane. A lot of Coltrane. He has a weird lot of friends that have animal names. Yeah. Chet Baker. <laughs> uh, a raccoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like that was the other thing too. In the coroner's office, nobody said, like the dad didn't even ask or even the detective didn't go. It's a little odd because he would have had track marks. I thought of it instantly. instantly. I'm like, oh, you yeah. look at his body. You would know yeah. if he was a drug user. FDM. If there's any entry points at all, you look at every major vein and yeah. see. Right. You'd look between the toes if yep. you're a coroner. The coroner would have found him. The coroner yeah. would have said, look, it's a little peculiar because there was no other yeah. track marks. There was no other hair, signs of drug use leading up to this. And they hadn't done an autopsy yet, which you would also learn from the autopsy by the condition of his veins and things like that as yes. well. But even looking for entry points, like you said, scars and track marks, or, or uh, all, you would have seen that in the initial examination. But they also, I, th- I felt they kind of short-shrifted it by going, ah, every parent says that. And they just kind of went back to their paperwork. Yeah. Um, but, but I thought that uh, established a feeling of coldness throughout the entire movie. Um, when this, this, you know, desolate area, cold, always wind, you're hearing it. Always a snowstorm. There's Um, always a blizzard. Yes. Even in and out of Denver, the road, you could barely see it. Um, Laura Dern winds up, she immediately becomes cold to him. And instead of them finding strength in one another, she won't even talk to him anymore, Mm -hmm. which I, I didn't care for that. I'm like, wait a minute. They were, we saw she's doing his cufflinks. She's, and he says that when he says he touches her neck and he says, is that new? There's a pendant she's wearing. I, I was like, that that's it was like love and a real relationship and it established the fact that they were warmth and in love. And then later on, she won't even talk to him. I'm like, did it go that bad, that fucking fast? And then fast? she disappears. Like, and, it's yeah. like, yeah. And disappears, coldly leaves him and leaves him a note with nothing on it. A blank white piece of paper, which is like the blank white landscape that he deals with every fucking day. Right. I mean, and so it was, again, establishing cold and this, and forlorn and, and desolate and barren. You know what I mean? I thought that, I thought that ran through the whole movie. I really think one of the problems with the film too, especially at the, um, the beginning and even towards the end, end is uh, uh, I'm watching this movie and I'm about halfway through thinking, you know, if you're going to have a movie starring Liam Neeson, you should probably have Liam Neeson in your movie a little bit more. Like there were so many scenes, extraneous scenes of like all these supporting characters and villains. And it's like, well, that's good, but it's at the expense of actually seeing our lead. Like if we saw more time with him and his wife, we saw more time with him actually, you know, um, establishing his character, or even with the relationship with his brother, or uh, or how he kind of made this transformation into, uh, um, you know, this someone hell bent on revenge. Like I would have liked to have seen more scenes with him and less scenes with all these extra extraneous characters that I didn't care about at all. Yeah, um, they they like you said, he shoehorned in a lot of comedy that that. At the expense of telling us the story of who Liam Neeson right. is and why he's where he is. Yeah, it really felt like it was just, um, you know, basically an action revenge movie with a comedy pass on it. Well, when they, in mm-hmm. the, the first couple, the first three deaths, right? He just says, fuck this, I'm going to go get, I'm going to go kill these guys and I'm going to work mm-hmm. my way up the ladder. Yeah. Right. It's this guy, whatever his name's, Rabbit or you know, Skeeter. Skeeter, Snowplow <laughs> or whatever the kid's yeah. name was, Snow Leopard. <laughs> Limbo, Limbo was one of them. Limbo. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kills them, and then he wraps the guy guy up in the chainmail and throws him into the into the down the Icy waterfall. River, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then he does that again, 
And then every time he does that, the, the person's name comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The graphic comes And up. I was like, by with the, the third the time. Cross, except I for the Jewish person. Right. Then they came yeah. Right. And then when they kill the Native Americans, there's like a Native yep. American symbol. Yeah. I was loving that, right? I, I, yes. But, and it had that Fargo vibe. Yes. Like, when, uh, when they rolled them up. And the, even the music, even the, the soundtrack was just that, like that one fucking like clarinet. You know what I mean? Just kind yeah. of mournfully wailing in the background. And you're just like, what the fuck? It, it, it so felt like Fargo. That the huge mm-hmm. shots of snowy landscapes. And then the, the chicken wire and being thrown into the falls mm-hmm. the distant shot of the falls it very much felt like that for me and i laughed at those initially but then when it just got yep. wacky i was like no you totally abandoned this tone yeah it like you said fargo it should have had just a little bit of a sense of humor mm-hmm. throughout this very tough mm-hmm. emotional green uh, you know grim stuff and yeah. i guess that's your uh, partner in the wood chipper there yeah, yeah that's like that. that's mm-hmm. what it felt like that's yeah. what i'm saying mm-hmm. and, and also but in the vibe of fargo like you know, Marge is, who's the star of that? Marge or Macy? Who do we see more often? You know what I mean? So in this movie, it's Neeson and, and Bateman, the guy who's mm-hmm. the villain. You know what I mean? So And they're with Bateman more often. And he's also, because he's such a fucking in-your-face screen presence, he feels like the star of the movie. You know, Liam Neeson's just kind of always plotting in the background to do something. Every time they see Bateman, he's he's an inch away from somebody's face, talking right. to them either threateningly, menacingly, or lovingly, or just smirkingly or mockingly. I mean, he's just that fucking guy. Mm-hmm. And he, he chewed up everything around him. There was no, yeah. he sucked all of the air out of everything, no matter what, any, any scene that there was. And, um, and how, dudes, how much does he sound like Heath Ledger's Joker? Yeah, I know. I'm, I mean, the voice, the, the, oh, yeah. the cadence, Did, the inflection. I, I, I was so shocked. Yeah. I, at first, I'm like, is he trying to do that? And then it kept going. And I'm it like, oh, my God, like that, dude. Yeah. The way, even, you know, the, the little the little sides. And the, just the way, the, oh, my God. I was like, and I, and I found myself enamored of that guy. I'm like, who the fuck's that guy? I've never mm-hmm. seen that guy before. Um, I couldn't get on board with that guy. Yeah. I, could, I was no, just like I, it just I, it didn't work. It didn't work. I was just like. Yeah. But it makes me want to watch the original. And I'm like, well, it probably worked in the original. Yeah, well, the, mm-hmm. in the but the original is also in a different place. So is that because that guy's a come on, that guy's a quintessentially American supervillain idiot. You right, know what I mean? Right, he just, right. uh, He's going to play that guy for the next ten years. Yeah, no mm-hmm. morals whatsoever. You know what I mean? Just, just no compunction about shooting a guy and go cut off his head. You know, like that right, kind of right. bullshit. Nobody mm-hmm. exists like that in the real fucking world. You hope. I mean, the, I the don't also know. thing you too is like as a as an employer, you know, you're um, you're basically exterminating your workforce. You know, every time somebody does something wrong, well, no, there's somebody now and you got to replace Okay, it. but let me <laughs> ask you this. Um, you work for that guy, and he's he's clearly just a just a massive cunt who doesn't care about anybody and wants to murder everything in his way. You ever talk back to him? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, no. you probably keep your mouth you shut. you do anything yeah. other than you got it? Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Do you ever offer a, like a solution to something or what you think or your opinion on fucking anything no, with that guy? you keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many guys talk back to him? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that one dude guy talked back to him the entire fucking movie. I mean, inevitably, we see what the fuck happens to him. Mm-hmm. But but every time somebody's got something to say to that guy, I'm like, who has anything to say to this fucking well, guy? Well, the thing that's so dumb is they set up a bunch of things. And this is the other thing. Going back to the so the original, the drug dealers were then dealing with the um, the like the Belgrade Mafia or somebody like that. One of those Eastern European that is actually doing all of this mafia. So in this movie, they're like... There's a Native American tribe that mm-hmm. has been selling cocaine. That they uh, they split up the territory and then they have a they have a truce and a they peace. Have, right, they have a truce and a peace, and that was like, all right, is that based on any? Has, is that happening? Maybe there is. Maybe there's mm-hmm. a tribe that's selling. But like, I was like, that felt like felt far fetched to me. Well, it felt like an allegory for the way Native Americans have been treated forever. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we gave them their little piece and now they're trying to get more and we've got to exterminate them. Right. You know what I mean? It just, it just felt, again, very, this guy felt like he was trying to say so many different fucking mm-hmm. things and it, and none of it, I mean, you got it. You're like, I see yeah. you're going where you're going with this, but and, I mean, it, they, but he never paid off in any of it. No, and and they set us up for so many things. Like I thought- Even the jokes were one-off. Oh, like, man, like, you know, like even when they were in the Native American, I think they were in a museum or something. It's like, nobody wants to do this task. We'll make the Indian do it. And it's like, it's an- Actual Indian. It was an Indian, Indian guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a Another scene where they off. go to the hotel and they're like, I'm sorry, you don't have a, you need a reservation. He's like, we need a what? And he just plays the race card, sure. which was hilarious. Yes. But then it was like, they, they set up so many things. So when, when the Native American drug dealers came into it, I was like, oh, is everyone going to get murdered and that's how Liam Neeson's going to get away with this? <laughs> or is like, or is like, is the Native gonna, tribe going to wipe out this awful dude? the the creepy guy the whatever the bateman bad guy yeah and the the natives are going to kind of 
take care of, they're going to get their land back and Liam Neeson's going to get his revenge and they're going to be like, yeah, we always hated that guy. Sorry, he killed your son. You know, like, are yeah. they going to just, like, everything's going to be cool and... and and the and, fathers and sons things that echoed through off again doesn't pay off the way it no, should. No, no, all no, of these no. things you're waiting. Yes, the you're gay waiting. couple. The, the, the yeah, two that, guys, went, that they, went nowhere. They, that's, they went shoehorn that fucking thing in there. Yeah, for yeah. no reason. That was one scene. One yeah. scene where yeah. they show that the one his lead henchman, who's the guy from the wire, who plays a great thug henchman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice relationship with the kid, and we see in the car that him and one of the other henchmen are lovers, right? right. And he's like, we're going to escape. And they set this whole fucking, where are we going to move to? We're going to move there. Where are they picked? I forget. Dublin. Dublin. We're going to go on a $10,000 vacation to Dublin. Dublin. You got it. We're out of here. So then when the hit, the psycho boss kills his lover, they go to, they push it on a close up of his face. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't show his emotion because the thing that, that, that made sense, as we pointed out, his boss is a psychopath, so he doesn't want to go, oh, because he'll get one between the eyes. Right. But you see his emotion in his face. You're like, all right. So this guy, at some point, is going to kill the boss and help Liam out or something. Yeah. Instead and he, he kind of does. But he sets him up for the ambush. But then yeah. there's a big then shootout at the up. end, and everybody yeah. dies except the, 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 the native chief who gets in this snow plow and they drive well, let's, down. We'll talk about what the, the end. Let's talk about the ending in a second. Well, let, let, let me get, let <laughs> me get to, we do that. let me get to one of the parts that I was like, what? Well, they, this didn't make sense. Cause maybe I missed something. Maybe you guys can explain this to me. Remember when the Indians are going to, um, kidnap his son from school. Yes. And they were planning that to do that. But then Liam Neeson suddenly shows up and kids oh, and God. gets him before. Like this makes how, no sense. How did how did he know when the kid was uh, going to be kidnapped? And then how did he know to get him before the Indians did? He didn't he know those it? things. He didn't know those things. He saw the because uh, again the fucking ridiculous red herring plot device that got him mm-hmm. to the school was this guy who owns a multi-million dollar house with views from windows that you, I mean, he sees the mountains, he sees all of the Denver skyline, this unbelievable palace he lives in. He slapped a bumper sticker on his patio door (laughs) that said, my son is an honor student at St. Hillis School. (laughs) Liam Neeson, who has a telescopic rifle that he's going to use to shoot through the window and kill the drug dealer, instead sees the bumper sticker and goes, ha ha. And then the next day shows up to get the kid from the goddamn school. All you want to do is murder. That's every- what it is. That that because I, so I thought dumb. this. Yeah, it's it, yeah. it makes no fucking sense. You just I, established that this guy. All he's gonna do. I'm gonna murder anyone that had anything to do with my son's death. I got this guy between my sights. So instead, I go get the kid at the school. No, you. No. What? Well, fathers and sons. Fathers and sons. They were trying to establish it, but it didn't pay off. It That's didn't what I'm work. saying. Yeah. It made sense to me that Liam Neeson would want to get his son. Like, except I, we I, like his son, so we don't want anything bad to happen to his son. Like I thought Liam there was Neeson's- somehow he was tipped off where he's trying to save the son. From the Indians because no, 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 no. because he um, realized he's innocent and didn't want that to happen. No, yeah, you, it's funny. You you went a level they didn't because <laughs> that's literally and you're because you're, you're, you're thinking like a screenwriter. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, he's gonna save them from him. And I'll, no, no, he literally saw a bumper sticker and went to the fucking school. That's exactly what happened. If uh, the screenwriter's listening to this. Uh, he or she is going, oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Been we should have done that. So again, it's just one of those things that careens off the fucking rails when he when he's killing the first three dudes. And because also let's talk about this. There's also two cops. And this is a, oh, this is a thing I have with mm-hmm. a problem I'm having with movies lately. Okay, I, I, uh, I saw a movie called Upgrade and it's, it's just... When there's only eight people in the movie, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, you're just like, well, what the fuck? Why are there, only, there's only two cops in the entire Kehoe police department. One wannabe Emily Rossum who wants to be a, a real big city cop and another cop who's been there for 30 years and he's content to give people tickets and go, Hey, and let's not do anything. Yeah. Nothing yeah. bad happens in this town. It's fine. And then when they finally find the Indian hanging from the road sign, he's vomiting and she's like, ha ha, we've got a drug war in our town. Mm-hmm. But, but what we're supposed to believe the drug war, she anticipated that when they found the guy hanging from the road sign. Right. Okay. Yeah. And she has to find out from Denver that <laughs> three people have been, have gone disappeared. The dealers have gone disappeared from, from the Vikings crew. Yeah. But in Kehoe, uh, is, and I could be wrong here. So correct me. No, I doesn't don't Liam Neeson <laughs> murder the guy who owns the bridal shop in his own bridal shop? Yeah, and leave the body there in blood and walk. Out? Does does nobody in Kehoe think that's part of the drug war? Does or, nobody? Or did he throw or, him I in? That the, happened uh, in Denver. Ocean. Even if it happened, or fine. If it happened in Denver, how is that not national news? A guy is murdered in broad daylight in his fucking shop, and oh, the cops yeah. don't know about it. There's I mean, a dozen Jesus. dresses with blood on them. Yes. Yeah. And he had all his teeth knocked out. He'd obviously been tortured before he'd been killed. Yeah. yeah. Well, so there's also, like, here's teeth, blood. Yeah. Yeah. 
teeth and blood and obviously a fight and a murder and the guy's gone. Yeah. Well, you have a small town like Kehoe and no crime. So you only have a police, what, and a, uh, one sheriff and a deputy or whatever. So you have, uh, so apparently you have no crime, no police force and nothing ever happens. Except apparently you also have two rival gangs that sell drugs all over your In town. In your town. So, <laughs> and you've been a have for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so clearly uh, nothing ever happens here except all this crime. And then that <laughs> stupid, wacky thing of, Oh, she's using an ex-boyfriend. She's yeah. manipulating him with sex to get information. What? Who gives a fuck about that? <laughs> like, bring the detective. Here's the other thing. I don't care what the, the, the fucking two dumb cops in Kehoe, if they're morons, guess what? The, the Denver detectives are going to be like, Yep. Hey, small town cop. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, this is involving our investigation. Well, I don't know. She's just trying to, she used to have sex with one of you guys. Well, look, we all know that police stations do not share information unless one of the officers is fucking one of the other officers. <laughs> I mean, because she's like requesting this info. He's like, well, I don't know if I can send it over there. It's like, we we have a crime we're investigating, you fuckstick. I mean, send yeah. the goddamn information. And then she does that. Well, we're having a, yeah, yeah, we're, we're having, having a lunch. I'll call you back. Oh, yeah. God. And I, I just, it, they shoehorned in comedy where they didn't. They didn't need to. I, I think no. that guy kind of went, "All right, I'll I'll do a Liam Neeson revenge movie, but I'm gonna put this funny spin on it." And look, I I kind of at the end of the movie, you know, because again, we can get to the ending whenever you want. But I went, I go, I understand what they what he tried to do. I bet the original was still funny though. You I bet know, you the original way. has a Fargo because going back to Fargo probably has more of a Fargo tone. Yeah, one of the part of the senses of humor of Fargo was it was just showing people in that that's how people in Minnesota, you know, I guess yeah. there's been a murder. Like, yeah. oh, you put your buddy on the wood chipper, did you? You know, the, like mm-hmm. the dude shoveling the driveway says everything about Fargo. And they're oh, so then they got the cabin out there, and then I, you know, I says to the guy, you shouldn't talk like that, and then he says to me, you know, that guy yeah. who's shoveling yeah, the driveway, yeah. mm-hmm. and the, and the she just listens to the whole spiel. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> Talks to the All strippers. Right, then. Oh, the one guy was funny. I yeah. wasn't circumcised, you know? Like, <laughs> that's how they talk. That was the... The characters were being earnest and sincere because that's how people in small town in that yeah. part of the country talk. This was just like... they they It made no sense. Like, everything... And they would put you... They would lead... All these dumb roads they took you down that were no payoff. Let's talk about the fucking ending. Let's, let's get into this. Um, so the big crazy shootout. Mm-hmm. The kid it seemed to go on forever. It felt like an expendable shootout. Like I thought there were only about 10, 15 guys there, but then it seemed like every time somebody got killed, like he just was in another. He's in the scene again, but from a different angle. Well, first Wasn't they that go the on same the, guy? the Native Americans <laughs> go on the ski thing, and they're joking around. And then one of the henchmen, the Native American in the drug gang, decides to do the parachute thing. Yes. What the fuck? Just so we can have him at the end of the movie run into the truck? None of this. And then the kid just gets in the... Snowplow and drives off? Yeah. And nobody goes and gets the kid? The kid no, who Emily, just heard a shootout? Emily Ross put like, an APB on him. Yeah. That worked out pretty good. At, at some point, too, like, I was like, well, maybe this is a flashback. Like, it was so poorly put together. Yeah. Like, I'm like, well, oh, this must be a flashback, because there's no way this would match anything that's going on now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, it wasn't. So it, yeah, it was a mess. So we're we're left to really what we're left to think is that eventually Liam Neeson goes back to headquarters where there's 15 bodies lying mm-hmm. in the snow, and uh, the son of one of the drug guys. And Liam Neeson's going to prison forever because there's so many dead people, and he obviously is tied in somehow. Mm-hmm. And the little kid is going to say, "Well, the, he kidnapped me and brought me here," or if he even tries to lie for him. And also, then the kid loves him immediately. By the way, the Stockholm syndrome line, which goes it made again, no it goes sense. Nowhere. The kidnapping of the kid, and then why are, why are you kidnapping the kid? And then why are you just like trying to be a dad to him? I, um, I don't think he was trying to be a dad to him. I think the kid was so crying. I, I didn't mind that. I don't think so. I, the kid's so crying out for a, a father figure that Liam Neeson just naturally fell into it because he felt weird enough kidnapping the fucking kid. But but the, then when they're lying in bed together and the kid puts the head on the shoulder and says, you ever hear of Stockholm syndrome? Like we understand what's happening. You don't need yeah. to make it fucking spell it out for us. We get it. You needed a male role model and you've got one here. Just putting your head on his shoulder was more than enough. We got it. But then he makes the kid have the Stockholm syndrome line. So then you're like, Oh, this kid's fall. He really likes him. Like, shut the fuck mm. up, man. You don't need to explain yeah. everything. I know. Um, but it just, it was just, it was a series of scenes put together, you know? And again, he was trying to make a statement about native Americans because then we see fucking, 
uh, the chief guy, the you know whatever the fuck his name was, he goes walking through the mall, and there's an Indian poncho made in China, and he yeah. you know he basically does the Jay Silverheels one tier thing. Right. He, then there's a statue of a chief, and then we get the chief in the foreground with him in the background just shaking his head. And I get yes, you're I know you're, you're making to, a yeah. commentary here. Yeah, I get it. Everything was taken from us, so we have no choice but to sell the white man's drugs yes. back to him. And and I so I got right. I got all that. I know right. what you're doing, but in a in a better movie without that having to be as heavy handed as he yeah, made it, it works. It absolutely works. Yeah. But like I said, the, the fact that ran rampant. And again, like I said, the coldness, the, the, the real, um, that, that ran through the theme of that. Everything was cold. Everybody, cause there, there was, was there any love in this movie? Did anybody love it? Even it, the, the warmest moment is Laura Dern dressing Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I, my main, main problem with the movie is that she just, their marriage is over when the kid dies. She won't say anything to him at all. And then mm-hmm. she, like you said, she does the scene where she's like, did you know he had a Facebook? Did you know that he had favorite movies? Did What's you know his what they were? Band, you know, and then she just splits. I find that hard to believe because they right. introduce her as this loving wife who would. Pro- I can see them having fights and arguments, but I can see her like sitting, you know, at the edge of the bed, going, "We got to solve this." Yeah, what no, happened? it just made just it convenient. Like, it think, made it convenient for him to devote his life to revenge. Yeah, I he didn't have anybody the, uh, to answer to. There was probably a note on the script that said, "Look, we only have Laura Dern for four days." Yeah, I, you're not wrong. I thought I thought that while watching yeah. it, I, I thought, well, obviously she just like. popped in to do whatever and yeah. did a favor for somebody and took the fuck off. Right, and that um, was it. Yeah, yeah, and, and someone was like, you know, Laura Dern winters up in Aspen mm-hmm. or wherever they shot yeah, this. Yeah, you know? <laughs> she's up here skiing. Oh, yeah, yeah, get her for four show. days. Yeah, and we don't have to put her up. <laughs> she's got her own lodge yeah. I went in did this movie not expecting anything I was like mm. this is gonna be because I mean I you know I wouldn't right. these aren't things I see you know what I mean I'm like mm. whatever I'll, but I'm, I'll do it for the show and I want to go and check it out and see you guys and and there, it could be fun you but know, then the first 15-20 minutes I'm like alright yeah, alright yeah, exactly. I'm in yeah, yeah. I mean you're getting me here minimal yeah. expectations yes. I'm in yep. just have a thin plot that makes sense and Liam just thumping skulls. Yeah. I felt the same way I'm like alright I'm on board at the beginning Yeah. but I loved him like you said the first kill when he doesn't know how to kill that guy and he's, right. his hand hurts mm. from punching him so much and then he chokes him out and then the guy wakes up and he chokes him some more mm. and then he wraps them in the chicken wire. And, and, and by the way, I will say this though, the, the one good thing about this movie, the one, the one I was, but there's, there's some things that are okay, but the thing that is beyond reproach is William Forsythe's uh, arrival. Oh, William yeah. Forsythe in any movie is, put him in everything, put him in goddamn everything, William Forsythe. He's perfect. He's and just, it, he's so good. And it's so great because they immediately establish in a great way. And it makes, this is the one like scene and character thing that made sense. Oh, his brother, Liam Neeson's brother, William Forsythe and dad, ah, uh, they were gangsters. Yep. Okay. So Liam knew that world and he deliberately was never really in it, but he knows enough about it to know, Yeah. fuck this. I'm killing the guy who killed my kid. Yeah. And he William, tells his brother right to his face. He goes, I'm killing him. Killing I'm killing all him. Of him. Yeah. And William Forsythe just is like, well, all right. Which let is me, probably- make some phone calls. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's probably how your gangster yeah. brother would react. It was great. It was great. If you had a brother that was a gangster, he'd go, okay, I guess this well, is- Well, then a, I'm going to help you with, with the best I can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. My nephew's dead. So yeah. I'm a mobster. I'm trying not to be anymore. And even the wife thing, that made sense in the in the con- He's like- uh, What's the line? Do you remember the line? I remember the line. He goes, Where's, how's Grace? And he goes, uh, she, well, she's gone. Yeah. Well. He just always had a great time in that girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just so great. And just because again, he's like, eh, well, whatever. I mean, I guess, you know what I mean? Like not that gangsterish. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing phases him. And, and yeah. you, that thing where you get to turn off all emotion or whatever the yeah. fuck. How'd um, you guys meet? Well, she was skimming off the top of a massage parlor. I went there to go. To go beat, beat the shit her, out of her. Beat, beat the shit out of her. Yeah, I fell in love. Holds up the yeah. ring. Holds up the ring. <laughs> just holds up the hand of the ring. Um, and I feel then, like William Forsyth is like a uh, thinking man's Michael Madsen. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm on board. I, I love him and everything he's in. Dude, he has he has just, I mean, it's my favorite performances in, in movies. God, I love him. I love him. And he was great in this. And his out, his out scene. Yeah. You know, he does that, that basically. They're going to kill him. He yeah, knows yeah. he's dead. Yeah, he waves yeah. to his wife. She knows he's gone. Right. Mm. She knows the life that, and that's why she's so. And every everything's just she's that so one. Yes. That one thing makes sense. That yeah. one storyline. Those one. <laughs> yeah. And I love this house too. Like everything was completely so ostentatious. Yeah. And they made sure they showed it like in every single shot and scene in his house was like a different angle. Of like so, showing how gorgeous it was. Like, yeah. 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 yeah it was and like, he's wearing flip flops and pajamas yeah, and silk yeah. pajamas. Mm-hmm. And then he his his death scene, which we don't really get to see, but his out scene is essentially Hopper and True Romance. Yeah. And uh, and Fastbender in in Inglorious mm-hmm. Bastards. That well, this is happening. So mm-hmm. I mean, all right, I'm gonna go out my way. And it, everything made sense. 
the way she waves to him in the move in the window when he's going to die, that explains her ridiculous over the top behavior at the top. She yeah. take your shoes off. Like she's mm-hmm. just this Vietnamese, barely speaks the English, angry. And at first you're like, oh wow, here comes the fucking Mrs. Stereotype parade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, she knows she married a gangster. She doesn't want anyone from his old life. She loves him. She sits on the couch. They're so affectionate. Yes. And she doesn't want this because she knows if that world come back in her home, she's going to be waving bye to her husband through a fucking window. So she yeah. has to act that way to try to, it's a barrier to keep the past away. Yes. Yeah. So she thinks Lisa, Liam Neeson's there to drag him back into it. And that's why she's just a fucking rude bitch to yeah. him, yeah, yeah. which is great. It's like, yeah, because she doesn't, and that's why he just looks, poor he just looks at him like, eh, you know what, this is the way it is. And he's out there. Also nice touch that he's out there at the altar. Yeah. When they take him away. And I, and I also, I love Bateman's line there when, when fucking Forsyth's just like, are we going to do this? You want us to keep talking, Skippy? And he just goes, you see, guys, that's how you go out strong. And I fucking love that line because it was, because in my head, I go, go out strong. I'm not joking. And he goes, that's how you go out strong. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, because when, when, when things work, because it showed, and that's what makes you so mad at this movie. There were things that worked that could have, you, you cut all the ridiculous nonsense and the bad humor and shit, make a lean fucking movie. You bring in the hitman. So fourth side, he goes, I need to, he goes, yes, come he, he goes, you can't kill this guy on your own because yep. he's got a wall. You're not a professional. Just, right. And it's understood. So you need to, I mean, you're calling the Eskimo. The Eskimo comes in and, and the Eskimo the betrays him. No, he wouldn't. No. The only scene, the only no thing that made No pro hitman would have done No. That. The no. only thing that made sense was Bateman going, wow, you have no honor, and takes the money yeah. and kills yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. That's the only thing that made sense. A, a pro hitman would never do that. The, the, I, again, or he wouldn't I, have a pro reputation. No, <laughs> no. He wouldn't be this, this badass. You know no. what I mean? It, it just drives you crazy. You know, when you betray things that we already know are tropes. You know what I mean? I understand what you're trying to do, but at the same time, you're, you're flying in the face of convention with things that we already expect, and I guess maybe you're doing that to try to fuck up the film goer or whatever. Um, but all right, let me ask you again. For no reason, they bring in that fucking janitor from the school to do the Ellis from Die Hard. You know what I mean? He's like, hey, my lady and I are driving up to the thing. Mm -hmm. You're in a room with gangsters. You're in a room with like 10 fucking gangsters, all strapped, literally fucking guns on their hips. And you're going to tell an anecdote about your wife. And hey, that's the fuck. And and joke and be all, like I said, you're literally your Ellis. Bobby, you know, you're doing that shit. And that's why I honestly loved when Bateman just goes, uh, he goes, what was your price? What did my man tell you? And he goes, 10,000. He goes, 10,000 it is. And then you just see that guy's death notice. You're like, yeah, kill that motherfucker. The only regret I have in the movie is not seeing him die. Why would you come in and act like a fool in front of gangsters? Yeah. Oh, it just just shit like that. When somebody behaves in a way where you go, this would never happen. Ever. Ever. Ever happen. Like the the henchman. Why are you talking back to a homicidal psychopathic boss who is always an inch away from killing his own ex-fucking wife but only doesn't do it because the trauma it would cause his son? This guy will kill anybody. And and you're going to talk shit? And then the ex-wife. Yep. Like, you're going to, you know. What he's capable of. What he's capable of. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't want to just buckle to his every whim, but you know what he's capable of. Yeah, so don't you, push it. Don't put you. Would you just come in and be like the bitchy ex-wife well, to the I guy think, that's? But I go the they're, other way. They're, they're she, trying to play it with for uh, laughs. I think. I I thought it was he. She knew that her the insurance policy was he didn't want he never wanted his son to have a sad moment in his life. So she knew she was bulletproof. Uh, I mean, he's not going to disappear her because then he's got to explain to the kid. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, your mom's not coming around anymore. You know, I I felt that was a. She knew that she was the only person he would not fucking ruin because it would hurt the one thing he does care about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that was my vibe. You know Maybe. what I mean? But he, she's a good actress. She's in Wind River and man, she was wasted in this. But there were performances in this movie that I, uh, <laughs> there's no reason for the $20 made blowjob speech. There's, there's no reason no. for it. <sighs> I, I understand why it's in there. It's, it's, you're doing it because it's like, it's very much a, and you're going to set up this wacky That's That's the, the only reason it's in there. But but when you but if you do it without you don't have to pay that off. I if you show it in the car, you're I know you're going for your Tarantino. These guys are fucking funny in the way they talk because I actually IMDb'd that actor, and I was like, who? Because I don't know who this cat is. You know what I mean? And it turns out he's a this is like his first movie and he's been mm-hmm. in a few TV things. And I'm like, I don't know fuck all about acting, but you could kind of tell that he was trying so fucking hard in that scene and he was just like, he's like, hey, that's the thing, this crazy girl. You know, you never know. Fucking thirty one percent. You know, and the and the statistics and all that shit, just very over the top. And another one just chewing and sucking the air out of everything. And Bateman's the same way in his scenes. Um, and that, so then when you see there, uh, the, the two Indians they sent, the two Native Americans they sent to kid, kidnap the kid. Yeah, yeah. There's the one dumb fuck throwing snowballs and acting like an idiot. Right. And smoking the, re- the reservation weed. The other dude who's got that fucking, 
that guy was cool as hell. And I look him up, Glenn Gould is his name. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that fucking guy, he, 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 he oozed menace, but also at the same time, he was like, this is just my gig. And, uh, and we're here to get this kid. Right. And when he, t- he, he just, but his, also his acting was, he was cool. He, you were like, oh, okay. He doesn't have to be like, hey, I'm Joe Mobster. Check out my hat. Woo, woo, woo. You know, none of that bullshit. It's like he and was he just. he did have a cool hat. Oh, he did have a cool hat. <laughs> but as I'm saying, he was just, but he was a guy who's, he was a professional criminal and it was his job to do things. All those fucking dudes who hung around the Viking are like, hey, check this out. I ate fruity pebbles and whoa. You know what I mean? Like what the, I, I don't just quit trying to be gangsters or what you think gangsters would act like. And that's why the bald dude plays off them so well. You're just right. like, well, that guy's a real guy, you right. know? And the other thing too, like if there is this Native American drug gang, then give me the Native American version of it. And they tried to, yeah. but then failed. Like they, because they had too much like old Italian mob, like yeah, movie shit just, from the fifties. Yep. Yes. Like it was like, no, they, it was like, they just, it was like an overlay. They just put it on top. Yeah. Like all mobsters right. talk this way. It's like, they would, they would do it differently. They would, yeah. uh, whatever it would be, yeah. do it differently. Yeah. There were so many missed opportunities. In this so, movie. all right. What do you think of the very ending? Yeah. We didn't get to that. You all kind right. of, you've said it, but you didn't really say mm-hmm. what it is. So why don't you, why don't you walk people through it <laughs> and tell us exactly what it is. Tell them, starting with where it starts and how it pays off. All right, so the shootout's over. <laughs> I'm trying to remember this. The kid... Well, start... The Indians uh, are waiting for Viking to arrive and because they, they know where the kid is. Right. And they were tipped off by bald gay guy whose lover was murdered. Yes. That's the one thing that sort of made sense. But first, they're at the, resor- the, the, uh, the resort. Right. So they're playing in the snow. For some reason, all these for gangsters no who have guns are all out laughing and playing in the snow. The chief is trying to find joy in people skiing, but then he sees a young person skiing, and then he screams his frustration at the fact that his son is dead. In While music, jaunty music, is playing this whole time. And one of the Indian henchmen uh, decides that he's done playing in the snow, and he's going to go on a, uh, a, a parachute hang gliding... Uh, extravaganza, I guess is what I would call it. Like literally he, he, because, and, and also it's in there for, there's gratuitous Native American slurs from the villain. Mm-hmm. And then also this Native American gets to look and the guy goes, are you, are you ready for this? And he goes, I was flying, I was born to fly white boy. And then he straps a parachute to himself and he takes off into the, into the sky. And then the Indians, as they're fighting in the snow, one of them gets a phone call from the henchman and says, Hey, he's at this address. Oh, so yeah. all of the Indians leave to go meet the Viking who is already at that resort. And then they're all going to meet at Liam Neeson's workplace hours later. Go ahead. Shootout ensues. Kid gets hidden. Um, everybody dies. Everybody dies except Liam Neeson and the chief. Yes. Mm -hmm. The head native American gangster. And every, um, there were about maybe 20 people, but about a thousand bullets, (laughs) thousands of bullets. When they're all dead, the kid just, yay. Sees all this blood and carnage. Well, first the two cops show up. Once the two it, cops yeah. show mm. up. Um, and they're just like, boinks, this looks like a shootout or whatever. Mm. Emily Rossum p- puts her head in her hands to indicate that she's very distressed. Yes. Uh, and then out of it's nowhere. too much for her to handle. Yes. The little kid <laughs> who was hiding in a closet throughout the entire shootout uh, then boards a snowplow and drives it drives it away. Ten year old boy, snowblower, yeah. driving snowblower. a snowblower because Neam Neeson read him a bedtime story <laughs> on this snowplow, and that has nothing to do with the fact that he would not be able to reach the pedals. But okay, yeah. <laughs> everything I just said actually happened. Yeah, I am not. I didn't just yeah, make is, that up. Yep. The kid starts driving away. The cop calls. The shootout starts in day, and now we're at night. Now we're at night, and the cops have already been alerted, so they they've arrived. We're talking hours later, right? Mm-hmm. So then Liam Neeson gets on a truck and. The native chief gets in there, points a gun at him, and Liam's just like, hey, you know, we, uh, we don't have any more problems or whatever. The Native American guy just realizes, oh, Liam's not going to be a problem, puts the gun in the thing. A snow a blizzard starts <laughs> and goes to the ro- the closed road sign, and, and Liam stops and gets out, and, and he's like, what are you doing? He goes, my job. And then keeps plowing this road well, to wait, keep it open. He, he disappears in. That's what, you, know, you didn't. Miss, I don't mean to stop. I apologize. No, no, keep it. I, no, I'm, saying, I, I'm so. I've forgotten. <laughs> from he walks yesterday. into the blizzard because we've seen him already do this earlier in the movie. He has to un- open a gate to plow a closed road. Yes. So he walks into the blizzard and disappears, and the Indian becomes alerted that oh my god, this guy might be, maybe he's going to report on us. Maybe he's going to run away, and so he starts to go for the gun again, thinking he's going to have to be involved again in a chase or something. And then Liam Neeson reemerges from the blizzard, and he goes, and the Indian chief kind of nods like, oh okay, this guy is 
salt of the, who I thought he was, he's salt of the earth. And then he goes back to sleep. He goes to sleep. Now, again, hours later, the fucking chief takes a nap <laughs> in the snowplow. <laughs> and then they continue to plow the road. Yes. And then I forget what happens after that because I was so punched out from this. Well, he's plowing the road and then they keep flashing back to the the, the crime scene, which right. is now filled with ambulances and, and the cops are fucking right. like, again, 15 dead bodies. The kid drives away and the Emmy Rossum goes, I got a, I need a, I got a kid driving a snowplow in a Kehoe. Literally, that's it. And then they flash to the plow again and Liam Neeson is driving it and they start to give us kind of a wide shot and there's cars trailing Liam Neeson's yes. snowplow. That's mm-hmm. always happens because he's mm-hmm. he's basically plowing a road so traffic can go through and there's always traffic right. behind him. So that's established. There are people and witnesses around because then he's driving the snowplow. And again, as I've mentioned, hours later from the, the Indians frolicking in the snow, hours later, he's driving the snowplow and we see... Oh yeah! Then the guy in the stand on the the guy. This is the most insane thing. The guy in the parachute, who just bailed in the middle of this manhunt, easily five hours ago. Five hours. Mm-hmm. So he's been floating around Kehoe <laughs> for five hours in the cold. In the, in the, in the cold. cold. Yeah. In, bl- in a blizzard. In a blizzard. Yeah. In a blizzard that never ends. <laughs> um, knowing. His literally probably brothers are in a gunfight because yeah. I sure he heard the gunfire in the fucking Kehoe Valley or whatever the fuck. <laughs> He's having so much fun at altitude. Five hours in the air. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, like, and also he had no gloves, no mask, no, no anything. No. He just, he just got a, he's got a sheepskin coat. Mm. Five hours in a blizzard the, on a parachute. Yes. Then he just hits the front of the snowplow. He's, it's, I don't know if he pulled the cord or, to go to descend or what, but all of a sudden he starts descending and they're driving the snowplow and then he just hits him and kills him. Right. He lands in front of the snowplow because it's also, it's a, it churn, it's a snowblower. So it, it pulls in the snow from the road yes. and spits it out the side. And then he gets chewed up. He flies stuff. right into the blades <laughs> and just, whoop. and, and we see the parachute and blood and bone just come flying out the side of the plow. And then they keep driving. Well, first they give the, <laughs> first they do deadpan look in the thing. Like, did that just, did, they look at one another kind of like, did that just happen? And then they keep driving. They keep going. Leaving a pile of literally nylon, parachute, blood, mm-hmm. bone, mm-hmm. brain, and sluice all get, over the fucking <laughs> snow. We get one last card, you know, about the, the That death, guy right? dies. Yeah. We get mm-hmm. his final, like his name. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. he's dead. And then and there's, like I said, there's three cars behind the plow. They clearly saw the murder mm-hmm. of an unidentified man parachute in and get eaten up by the snowplow. And Liam Neeson just continues to drive, yeah. as do they. Mm-hmm. Nobody stopped. Mm-hmm. Nobody honked their horn. <laughs> <laughs> no one said, you might want to pull over that you've murdered a man. Mm-hmm. The guy that came in from out of the sky, he got chewed up and he's <laughs> dead. Mm-hmm. That guy we've been seeing parachuting for five hours? Yeah. <laughs> You've just turned him yeah. into stew, well, man. to be fair, he had a map of all the updrafts. Uh, yeah, so. Apparently, <laughs> he was able to stay afloat. He's the best parachuter ever in history. Yeah, yeah. The best extreme sports guy in the world. And again, truly, he was born to fly, white mm-hmm. boy. And he found pockets of warm air, apparently. Yes. <laughs> and he descends into the snowblower, which then grinds him into pulp and spits him out the fucking side. And we get the credits. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the ending. That's the end of the movie. That's mm-hmm. the end of the movie. And. Anybody stick around for after the credits? Yes. Was there a thing? Was there anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> when they did the, they did the order of disappearance thing, which I was like, wow, I bet you they thought this was so clever. And then I was, I was sitting there watching the credits and I literally said, I don't mind that in a better movie. In a better yeah. movie, I, I went, I, that's yes. the thing, in a better, I go, God, this would have been so awesome. Doesn't it make you mad that you're like, you had that idea and you did that? I know. Yeah. I would have been like, I should be high-fiving right yes. now. Yes. Yeah. But that would have been great. I literally, I literally went, and there was, I saw this yesterday afternoon at like 1130. So there's five people in the theater, <laughs> me and four senior citizens, yeah. right. you know? Mm-hmm. And I literally went, why are you still here? I said it out loud. I was mad at myself for watching 60 seconds of credits. Did all the senior citizens turn around? I'm like, why is he why, mad at Why us? is he mad? What did we do? I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. I, I, I went and saw it last night by myself. And again, it was two other people in the theater. Yeah. You know, and 
I it saw just, it Friday morning by myself. Yeah. So, you know, but it's still made. That's how we should watch these movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, because I saw mm. it even in, in like some little shitbox Cinemark, and it was like mm. really amazing, like fucking chairs and stuff, like the mm. the recliners. Right. But it felt like I was in somebody's movie room, very small screen. You yeah. know what I mean? I kind of I kind of dug the atmosphere because I usually go to the arc light, so I'm getting swallowed by a gigantic uh-huh. wall of sound. And I, I didn't mind it. And it felt like the kind of movie to see in somebody's house. It felt like the kind of movie you would watch if you were, if it, it, you know, again, it felt like, it felt like 1048 at Blockbuster, 1048 PM. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you went, yeah. you saw Liam Neeson's name, you went, grab that box. Yep. That's all that's left. Yep. All the new releases right. are gone. Let's check this out. And again, I know what he was trying to do. There's enough quirky in it where I understand that this guy has talent and probably it gets back to what he made in the first movie. I bet you he did it in the, in the first movie that was made in Norway. I bet you he did it because I bet you that movie doesn't need, cause it's an, it's a Norwegian film with, with uh, what's his name? Skarsgård and he's the one star. And then a bunch of probably really good European character actors playing all the various, you know, thugs yeah. and whatever else. And you went, oh, it, it was it was kind of dark and quirky and, and brooding with a little sense of humor. Yeah, it had all those movies of that same like let, like let the right one in. You know what I mean? It's filmed yeah, in yeah. that kind mm-hmm. of that same blue light. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. constantly dark and and any cold. movie in that area made in that area starts with like, well, what would Igmar Bergman do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how would how, how does wouldn't how have how a parachute make, guy yeah. out of, come <laughs> yeah. out of the sky after five hours? How do we make it up? look bleak, dark, and cold? And then whatever movie we're going to make after that is fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I laughed a few times at stuff. I yeah, I enjoyed Bateman's lines. performance, even though Bateman was just. Yeah, again, that his name's Tom Bateman. I keep calling him Bateman, but he uh, and I only know that because I looked it up last night because it was important to me because I was like, all right, well, I it's just this amoral monster. Sure. Literally, like Thanos has more going for him emotionally than this cat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because at least Thanos was like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. This cat is just killing everybody in his fucking way and not thinking twice about it. He's got a kid who has to eat grass-fed beef for breakfast and all that shit. That's another thing. All right, let's talk about that. That fucking diet that he's got that he gives the mom. Sin- it made no sense. Well, fine. But now... You're, you're, you're thumbhead henchman. You're feeding the kid fruity pebbles while the guy's fucking 10 feet away. That guy's going to murder you. He's going to murder you. He threw mm-hmm. snacks out a fucking window. He's yeah. like, who packed the snacks for this kid? You know, fucking baking soda. You might as well get put rat, rat poison in his fucking mailbox. Then later on, he's like, hey, I need help with fantasy football. And then he pours in fruity pebbles. The kid's eating fruity pebbles. The fucking guy's outside. He comes in and see, I mean, you, you think fruity pebbles are healthy? You fuck. Do Jesus you think, Christ. Well, do you think a guy like that is going to let fruity pebbles into in the, the house? house. That's no. what I, so never that's what be in the house. But I assumed the guy, like, because even when he's carrying the fruity pebbles, I went, well, that's for him. And that is, I thought it was going to add a level of cruelty. We'd see him eating the fruity pebbles and the kid eating almond paste. You know what right, I mean? Right. I was like, <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, this is going to be, but no, he pours the kid fruity pebbles. I'm like, you just, you just, we literally know he wants to kill anybody who does this to his kid. Mm-hmm. Did they have a dry erase board in the writer's room? They're like, how many things can we introduce that have no payoff? <laughs> they really, <laughs> they I just them. left me hanging on so many on different everything. things. God damn it. And themes, like thematically, again, the Native American thing. And like you said, having to sell the drugs back to the white man and we'll make it work. And and then the the, the weird Indian henchman amongst the Native American henchmen. Right. Just all these things that were shorn right. in for no yeah, yeah. fucking just, like, reason. They were just one-off jokes. That's yeah. all they were. All right. All right. That's it. I think uh, I think we've covered I'm this done. This movie is the... <laughs> uh, more than it deserves. This movie. We <laughs> put more into this episode of just discussing <laughs> it than they did into making but it. But do you yeah. think it's terrible? Like, if, if someone wanted to watch this on Netflix, wouldn't you tell them there's enough quirk and, and okayness to if watch it? If you had it? a choice between this and Polar, I'd say go with it. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody asked me, should I watch this? I'd go, man. I wouldn't pay to see it. I go, I go if you want to watch something... And have a lot to discuss about all the fucked up. If you like doing what we just did, yeah. <laughs> like if you're like, if you want to watch a movie with your friend or husband, wife, girlfriend, whatever, and go, what the fuck for an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Then this is the right movie for you. But yeah. otherwise, I would find something else. I'd I watch the same. Well, of Cook course, documentary. there's always something else. Right. But but if you if you if you like Liam Neeson and you like the revenge genre, and you understand that this isn't going to follow it beat by beat. I, I think there's enough in certain performances where you can watch it and 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 be entertained by so it. So watch it with a fast forward button. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean as looking at it cuz you guys are both filmmakers. I'm not. So you guys look at it from, with that almost jaundiced eye where you're like, "Well, this this could have been this and this could have been sure. that and there's so much more they could have done with this." And I want to see the original to see how different or the same it is. Right. Yeah. But as a as a moviegoer, to me there's enough in Tom Bateman's performance, there's enough in stoic Liam Neeson 
Jason Bateman? Uh, no, he's Tom Bateman. Did I say Jason? No, no. No, he's Tom. Jason Bateman is a very <laughs> famous. Development? Yeah, very him. famous guy. Yeah. Jason Bateman, he's that guy in the Super Bowl commercial with mm-hmm. the, the hair that I don't know where it came from. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I think there's enough to recommend it to somebody who likes that kind of genre and doesn't doesn't mind seeing bad movies. I, I mean, I, you know what I mean? It's like I guess the yeah, performances. I, you can like sure. that, like that speech the guy gives in the car about the blowjob with the maid. Even though he's sucking all the air out of the room, it's like well, it's it's an interesting. I, I get, God, I'm t- I'm treating this movie like the zoo. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's enough to look at. You know what I mean? So that kind of thing. I mean, I wouldn't fucking pay. I don't pay to see it. But but if you were one of those guys who likes this type of movie and you like, because again, the gunplay, there's quirky violence and shit like that. And William Forsythe is enough for me to say, yeah, you know, great. his 10 minutes is, 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 is great. Man, that is a, it is a stretch for me to say there's enough in this movie. <laughs> I can see that. And like I said, but I, but going, because I did not like find myself. Like at least myself... at the zoo, I could get one of those like uh, plastic elephants. Oh, that out. gorilla. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love it. That smell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for me, I, I've seen so many bad movies that left me just cold that I can, I've started to judge differently. And so if I see something where I go, well, that I, you know, I look, it doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's not good. But I think, again, the performance of, of Tom Bateman, the performance of Liam Neeson, the performance of, like I said, the, the Indian guy in the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's enough quirkiness with the, the titles after the murders and things like that where I'm like, all right, I can I could see watching this on a Friday night if you, if you didn't have anything else to do. I wouldn't pay. But I mean, if, it's, if it came up on your, mm-hmm. your Netflix or whatever, eh, what the hell? I get that. Yeah. I get, yeah. There's so much content now. Yeah. That to me, it's like, you know, there's the, like, I, again, to me, Tom Bateman's performance is worth watching the movie. Because he's just this amoral fucking complete monster who has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And also to hear him how much he sounds like fucking Ledger, because I need confirmation on that Mm. from other people. It better be a really boring Friday night. (laughs) (laughs) I, I... I need to, adjust, I've adjusted my, you know, I have tastes anyway in a different way, but I've actually started to kind of go, well, I mean, I, I can take something from, I'm, I've, I've changed my whole outlook, right? Cause I don't like hating things anymore. All right. I don't want to be that guy who's like, ah, this sucks. Everything sucks. I mean, cause everything kind of does suck. So you try to pull the things that, that were interesting to you. So as a moviegoer, cause again, you guys are filmmakers, totally different. And I could see you'd have like anger toward them, not paying off all these avenues. And as a somewhat educated film viewer i know what you're saying but also to sit for you know it, it's it's a half hour too long yeah mm-hmm. um shit sure. that doesn't pay off the fucking bumper sticker thing drove me out of my fucking mind yeah yeah um but but the first 20 minutes bateman's performance uh it, it for would me I, my recommendation would be watch this at home like with your laptop open right oh yeah yeah, yeah no yeah. yeah this is not this is not something that you're going to remember forever but no. you're going to have it in the background and see a couple of scenes and go oh and then pause it and then go also pick i would up s- thai food <laughs> <laughs> exactly that, that, that's what i mean it's this it's completely disposable yes, entertainment right. mm-hmm. with things with moments you can pull out of it like i i honestly i think it's worth seeing this just because we're going to see tom bateman I think for the next 15 years. Oh, he's going to play this, this guy. Yes. 15 yeah. more times. And now you'll see the genesis of it in this movie. And sure. also maybe someone will fucking grab the leash on him and go, all right, well, look, we get it. But, you know, be, be this guy, but a little cooler. You Let's know what it, I mean? Pull it back. But you can see the seeds of a guy who's, I think, going to be, a, he, he, he reminded me of every bad guy in a Terminator movie or every bad guy in whatever, you know, the guy who was just amoral and a fucking. Two-dimensional uh, bad Complete guy. monster. Yeah. I, I'm shocked here at the end of this episode that Mike Schmidt is now sort of pivoted into celebrating <laughs> this movie. Celebrating's a strong word, man. Mm-hmm. No, I, I did not see that coming. You're, this what you just said is akin to the guy in the parachute coming out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> you just buzzsawed this whole. We had a hour. twist ending. It on is, the it is yeah. not good. Surprise! Mm-hmm. But you can. But there's so much trash out there, man. You can you can justify giving this a, a couple hours. All right, so, not all paying right. for it. But you yeah. can give it, you better right. give, pay your time. So, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You know, Mike, what's interesting. Mike at Snowplow Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can follow me at Twitter.com slash The 40 Year Old Boy. You can find me at Facebook.com slash The 40 Year Old Boy. I'm at Instagram and Snapchat at Mike40YOB. And, uh, and also, there's a new edition twitch.com or sorry twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy my twitch channel is active i'm in the middle of playing god of war for people nice uh, I've been oh playing, i just bought that uh it's fucking unbelievable it's yeah. fantastic I can't wait to so start. uh so yeah the twitch channel exists i'm there tuesday through sunday i'm on usually three o'clock in the afternoon pst 
And, uh, and I go till I'm done, whatever. Monday's the only day we're off because that's podcast day. But And also, the 40-Year-Old Boy podcast is available in the iTunes store. Go ahead and subscribe to that. I'd love it uh, if you did. That's Outstanding. Great. Support everything Mike does. Thank you. You know what I mean? That's Do what it. Snowplow Jones is all about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, guys. The uh, I'm, I'm headlining uh, the Zanies in St. Charles, downtown Chicago, in Rosemont, February 21st through March 2nd in the Chicago area. And then... Ron Placone and I start up the Progressive Comedy Tour. We're doing the Gulf States March 10th through the 13th. We go to Lafayette, Louisiana, Oxford, Mississippi, Pensacola, Florida, and New Orleans. April, we go to Texas. May, we go to Salt Lake City and Boise. In June, we're doing the East Coast Tour. We already have D.C., Baltimore, excuse me, Baltimore, and uh, <laughs> New Haven, Connecticut, and New York City. And the Aquarium. City. Yeah, and we're going to... We're gonna, we're adding Boston and some other cities. So those are all those tour dates are at GrahamElwood.com. Wait, you said Boise and what was the other? Boise and Salt, Salt Lake? Lake City. Graham, any, you know what? Any the... chance of adding Kehoe to this? <laughs> <laughs> at the resort? No I believe so. I um, believe so. You know, we forgot. We got our, our Patreon well, Let's thank uh, the Patreon. Let's give them some business to talk about. Yeah. Our Patreon sponsors. This is at the $50 uh, ad tier uh, with you can be there with Johnny Rulon and Johnny. his novel uh, Green Cheek, Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's available on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel, which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. HappyHorrorShowProductions.com. HappyHorrorShowProductions.com. And the Audacity Performing Arts Project produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Check them out at audacityperformingarts.com, audacityperformingarts.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide is the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death one cup of coffee at a time. Get caught up in season one. Season two uh, premieres this month, wherever podcasts are found, and find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of The Bugle Podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending stand-up shows, which explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. The shows were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in April 2018 with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Go to alicefraser.com. alicefraser.com. And Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. When we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves. We find our own art in life. You want to hear some fun stories and get inspired? Check out The Art. That's facebook.com slash theartpodcasts. And last but not least, La Calavera by Alan Ross. It's a book, uh, the story of a pirate radio operator who decides to go into the pirate cable TV business. Darren Loney, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, gear up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. It's now at Amazon on ebook and hard copy. So thank you very much, all of you uh, Patreon subscribers. Uh, every tier helps. We really appreciate it. And like we said in the other episode, we're in the process of revamping it, so we'll keep you guys posted. We're going to um, get rid of some tiers, uh, change some tiers, and uh, get you guys all... Um, uh, some extra, really cool extra content. And we want to um, get you guys uh, more into being members. Yeah. Go to patreon.com slash comedy filmers to support mm-hmm. the show. Uh, thank you so much, Mike Schmidt, for coming on the program today. Thanks for asking me. Always happy to be here. So, Oh, and I wanted to mention the uh, new episode of Conversations from the Abyss is up called My Friend. And it is about a um, middle school girl who talks to her imaginary friend and finds out she he may not be so imaginary. Ooh. So Conversations from the Abyss. And uh, you can check that out uh, wherever. Uh, 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 wow, I just lost my train of thought. Wherever podcasts are found, it is on iTunes. Conversations from the Abyss. Thank you to Aaron Brungar and everyone at the All Things Comedy World headquarters. Thank you to Monty Python and John Cleese for yes, walking in that here was today. So exciting! <laughs> thank you to <laughs> thank you to everyone involved with Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you to Python. Oh, how about it? Sure. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood, and I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Nee!